and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. This week's episode is with Olga Visaprofa. We actually recorded this episode on International Women's Day. And who is Olga? She is a next-gen. Her family business is in Russia, but she lives in London and she's a social entrepreneur as well as a founder of a not-for-profit community called Women Who Inspire. And she's also a co-founder of a community of next-gens called Global Family Office Community. So we had a really great conversation on feminine leadership, social entrepreneurship, her thoughts on sustainability, how she is doing it all, doing it all as a mom of two kids, doing it all as a social entrepreneur, as a philanthropist, and just a passionate female leader. So check it out and please share the love. Hi, Olga. It's awesome to have you today on The Connected Generation. Hello, Nike. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's an honor and pleasure for me to speak for your community. Yes, and today is International Women's Day as well. So it's ever so timely to have you on the platform just to learn more about who are you and how did you get to where you are today as a social entrepreneur? Yeah, today is a really special day because I'm Russian originally and in the moment I'm in Russia with my family. And it's a big, big holiday where men give lots of flowers to women and say lots of good words. And it's really wow. special day and we feel special. I just try to convey the idea that women need more than presents and flowers. Women also mm-hmm. need sustainable future and clean planet to be sure that their kids will be safe. And that's what I'm trying to make women think. Use this day, use this opportunity to draw attention, raise awareness to sustainability. I love that you say that because it's not just about flowers and and lovely gifts and awesome hashtags on social media, but really thinking longer term, what do we want to see in in people? What do we want to see in our planet? And how can we utilize our strengths to channel that towards creating positive change in people and planet? So tell me more about what obstacles did you face during your journey and how did you overcome these? <laughs> yeah, thank you. So social entrepreneurship is a long, interesting and quite difficult journey, I must say, because it's not a generic business model that you can implement. It's always an idea. It's always a purpose that you must set for yourself that you want mm-hmm. to reach in two, three or five years and you go towards it. So it's not a monetary return, it's the purpose that you want to obtain and the change that you want to make in the society. And it doesn't matter how you will quantify it or measure it. So for me, the purpose was to change the stereotypic relationship towards the Russian-speaking women in the UK, because Mm -hmm. the assumption was that Russian or Eastern European women are beautiful, so they're stupid, they're not educated, Mm -hmm. they're money-oriented. And I wanted to change it. I did it by inviting journalists. And when the article in Financial Times was published, which was called Changing Stereotypes from Bags to Balance Sheets, I thought, yes, tick. I did what I wanted. And then I just changed the purpose and started doing more things with my community, which was also social entrepreneurship. The difficulty when you do this kind of activity in your life is that people are suspicious. Because Mm. they're trying to find, why do you do it? Where is the money flow? What do you hide from us? 
So it's mm-hmm. very difficult mm-hmm. for people to believe that you do something because you believe in it or because you want to change, not only because you want to earn money. And I was clearly explaining that social entrepreneurship means that I don't have cost, but I don't have profit. So I'm kind of zero game business, mm-hmm. but I know why I'm doing this. And I can explain to myself why I'm spending my time for which I'm not paid. And I feel satisfaction by doing that. But you know, people are very, very skeptical. Mm. So much of what you said resonates. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I was like putting my hand up there. Like, yes, people tend to be skeptical when you pursue passion as opposed to profit, right? Why are you super confident and you have to repeat it a thousand times? And when you repeat the same thing, when you're not changing your mind from one thing to another, they may start believing you, but you have to be so consistent, so firm, so, so confident which is very difficult for women. Indeed, indeed. Consistency and confidence are the key tenets to this. And why are you so passionate about sustainability? And what practical steps did you take in this space? So as I started our recording with sustainability, yes, I'm really passionate about it. And the practical steps is that devoted to the International Women's Day, I'm organizing an e-forum for men and women, which is called Women for the Sustainable Future, because I want to raise awareness that women need more than, as I said, flowers and presents. They need some commitments. They need dedication of business and the government towards the more sustainable future for our children. I guess my passion comes with education because I'm very much into this field of sustainability, impact, ESG sector. I I read a lot of research and I also applied for... um, Oxford University to get a degree of master's degree in sustainability and also our family business in Russia has adopted the sustainable business model and we do show to our clients and customers the results of it how we quantify it so I learned a lot from my father who is the professor of economics and he really knows the mathematical models how we can quantify of what we declare what we say and I see that it's so important to prove with your actions and with the figures, what you do and what you declare is your mission. So that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm also on my platform, I bring the women who already, who are in this field and who are doing these things of quantifying and proving and actually offering solutions, not just talking about the problems. Women are naturally finding solutions. Men are finding problems. And so I'm trying to raise awareness and to show what has been already done and what the other women can do, like practical steps. Oh, I love that. I really love that. And I love that you're having a forum with both men and women to come together and co-create ideas. Is that a forum open to the public? Is it online? Is it something that you want yes, to Yes, it is online. It is online. It's so open to the public, men and women. As I said, it's not a feminist event. So. My community is not a feministic community, just community for women, where women can speak freely and openly, but we want to be heard by men and children and actually the population. I mean, if anybody would like to join, please let me know. I'm happy to share the invitation. That's awesome. I always say that allies are important in our journey as women. Um, We can't have a conversation on gender or on upward mobility outside of men so i love that it's an all-inclusive conversation not just women in this 
in a silo talking to themselves. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, gender diversity should be in place in every aspect of life. Indeed, indeed. And you're a lady that wears many hats and you have so much responsibility. You mentioned in passing your family business, which you're involved in to some extent. And you're also a mom of two young children. How do you balance it all? Yeah, it's really very difficult because I'm a perfectionist by nature and I want to give all of myself to the project, all myself to the children. And I always feel guilty for not being able to do that. But I think for the children, it's important to see that I have a passion and that I can realize myself as a woman, as a mom. And I give a good example to my daughter. And I think she is learning from me and she already wants to pursue her dreams and do something important in life. And for my parents as well, they feel proud that I do something that I believe in, that part of me, that I have the values that the whole family stands for. Everybody talks about delegation as the hardest thing to delegate. And always when you delegate, you have to check how it has been done. So sometimes it's easier and faster to do it yourself than to delegate, than to check, than to correct it. Yep, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, what I do, I better do it myself. I don't trust nannies or anybody. I think the kids grow up a bit more when you have less help. Yeah. It's healthy. That's the way I grew up in Soviet Union. Of course, it's important to have good business partners. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, the business partner who you work with, who you trust, who can help you when you have an emergency, that's important. Without it, I wouldn't be able to function. Same here, honestly. And how have you coped as a female entrepreneurial leader during the pandemic? I think pandemic was difficult for everybody, men, women, children, elderly, for all of us. So I don't think it would be fair to differentiate that it was super difficult for me. I mean, I sympathize with mm. all nations all over the world. It was mm. really, really harsh. I think women have an ability to survive in crisis. And they always say that when the business is in crisis, ask a woman to manage it. Mm. So crisis managers are women. Why? Because the women, they do not panic. They just think, okay, where is the problem? Let's look at it and let's find solution. As I started before, women are good at finding solutions where men would panic. So I think it was a good time for me to transform, to transform my business, to transform my family, to transform my children's education, which I've changed completely. It was a good time to think critically because we had time finally to sit, analyze, do not take drastic decisions, not in a rush. I'm not sure if it was all right or I might have taken wrong decisions, but the most difficult is to take a decision and then you put all your energy in realizing it. And there is a big chance of success if you work on something hard. You know, I find a lot of positive things from pandemic because I'm trying to be philosophical. Of course, I cried a lot. I mean, the first two lockdowns, I cried every night. <laughs> and I think I have to say it because if I'm just trying to give impression to you now that I'm so self-confident, I know where I'm moving, the other people will think, oh, she's different. No, I'm not different. Mm. I suffered and I'm saying it. And it was hard. But when you go over the difficulties, you become stronger. And as I say, slimmer. So it's good. <laughs> I just love that. I love that. 
quite a lot of the time we're conditioned to hide our frailties, our difficulties, our challenges, our vulnerabilities, and we keep our battle scars and we put forward our best feet. And that can be quite, like you said, a bit intimidating to people like, oh, okay, she's perfect. She's got it all together. But no, I love that you're saying I do have some scars, but in spite of that challenge, I was able to sail through and infuse some real hope as opposed to what I term as fake hope, which is not really relatable, right? But yes, it's really important to just... But you know, as they say, when you sink, you hit the bottom and then you bounce back. So until you hit the bottom, you cry, but then you jump up and you come up with a new solution. Indeed. Indeed. I love that. I really love that. And just as a female business leader, do you think that you have a different approach to male business leaders? And does this come through, for instance, maybe in the gender diversity of your business or the business model that you use? You know, I'm a big advocate of the gender diversity and in managing the business and generally in life. I have a great example of my parents. They were always managing the business together and they're completely different leaders female and male and always the truth was somewhere in between so my father was always more strategic thinker and my mom is an operational manager and together they're a great formula of success so the same in in my business i have a, now for the next community i have a male business partner and we look differently at things we have different ideas but when we talk respectfully to each other and we listen to each other Mm. And we take time to think it over, not always to say no to the other party, but think about it. We can come up with great ideas. And I love the synergy. So there should be synergy, not the war. If you have a war with your business partner, then maybe it's better to be on your own. Yes, men and women are completely different. And talking about emotions, women are more emotional when something goes wrong or opposite right. And men are more emotional when there is a feeling of, you know, when you can win. They're fighters. They want a victory. Sometimes they forget that they need to win a war, not a battle. Mm. That can ruin your business. And women don't care so much about winning the fight. Women are not fighters. But they can make other silly mistakes in negotiations. So we have to learn from each other. We really, really do. It's not to say male leadership or female leadership is better than the other. I think what we need is a complement of the two types of leadership to when we come together, we're a lot stronger. And it's just, I'm intrigued, who inspires you? Yeah, that's a very good question. Thank you for asking. So first of all, as I already mentioned a few times, it's my parents, it's my mom. She's a woman from a capital letter. She's very feminine, but she's a very strong leader and teacher to the next generation. And she's a financial genius. So she has everything in herself. And she's a great mom and a great grandma. So I will never become like her, but she's a benchmark. And the second after my mom would be Jane Fraser. She's the first female CEO of a Wall Street bank in the whole history of investment banking. And she is also very feminine. She's wearing pink dresses, lipsticks, makeup. She has her nails done and she's smart. Mm. And she's managing a multi-billion or trillion dollar company. I think Mm. it's a great 
change in the Wall Street. She's the first, but not the last one. It's just so important that women leaders are comfortable being feminine leaders. Yeah, like as opposed to trying to mimic male leaders. God made us women for a reason. I think there's something about us that makes us unique and really adds value to the world. And as you were saying, quite often when a woman's well put together, she looks good and she's often stereotyped as being dumb and just all looks and no substance. And so a lot of the time, many females try to dump on their femininity in spaces where it's quite masculine, maybe in the city and financial services, the male-dominated industries and what have you. But I don't think that's the solution. I think it's really owning 100% of who you are, being comfortable, becoming an authentic leader that's able to inspire, to encourage, to persuade people around you because it's important that we make room for diversity of all sorts. And I think with Jane Fraser, a new trend, a new wave will start because so far the female leaders that you say from financial industry, they had to look like men. And if you look like German politicians and they were promoting women for a long time, right? Mm. The women had to look like men. And now we're changing the stereotype. And I'm not saying that all beautiful women are intelligent or all intelligent women are beautiful. Don't mm. take it wrong. Mm-hmm. But if it happens, I mean, every woman should be respected for her merits, not for the way she looks. Oh, I love that. And yeah. this year's theme for International Women's Day is choose to challenge. And I think that's a really powerful piece that we can all choose to challenge. So thank you so much, Olga. I've really yeah. enjoyed having you today. Thank you. I just want to encourage all the girls, all the women, not to be scared of challenges, as we use this word a lot. And if somebody doubts what you do or what you stand for, don't take it personally. Just insist on what you think is right and repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, be self-confident. I think that's the key. And we have to learn this. Mm, Indeed. Consistency and confidence, like he said. If anyone wants to reach you, how best can they get hold of you? I think you can share my email address. That would be the best. Or on Instagram, I can also share. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm open to conversations, feedback. If somebody disagrees, please write me back. I mean, we are learning by doing. Indeed. So please write to me. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed this conversation, Olga. Thank you. And happy Women's Day to you. And to you too. Take care. I loved that with Olga. I loved it when she said, Women need more than presents and flowers for International Women's Day. They need a sustainable planet so that they can make sure their kids will be safe. And that really resonated. I think International Women's Day is not a fad. It's not just for one day (laughs) where we're remembered on Monday and then Tuesday through to Sunday, we're left with misogyny, right? It's really about ensuring that women are brought to the table their voices are heard, narratives are being reshaped to make room for an uprising generation of women so they can contribute and be empowered and we can all collectively make our world a better place through our entrepreneurial ventures, through our social enterprises, through our philanthropic work, through our public work as well. But another thing she said that I just, it really resonated with me was when she mentioned about suspicion. People tend to be suspicious 
when you're doing something that doesn't necessarily have an immediate monetary benefit. And this is particularly true with women because there's a gender confidence gap. We women tend to lack confidence. We tend to be more unsure of ourselves compared to men. We tend to underestimate our abilities and capabilities and so on and so forth. And I think Olga's point about confidence and consistency being the key are so apt. I just want to touch a little bit on the tip in terms of confidence, storytelling. Now, when I'm talking about storytelling, I'm not talking about the stories other people tell you about who you are. I'm talking about the story you tell yourself about who you are. We happen to be in a world that vilifies those of supposed influence, that shames wealth and shames privilege as well. And so when you're stepping out as a social entrepreneur, as a philanthropist, or as a change maker of any shape or form, people may question your motives, right? But it's important that the story you tell yourself remains consistent. They may vilify you. They may shame you. They may project onto you some suspicion, some evil motive. But your story must be one that is consistent of service for humanity, of wanting to make the world a better place, of resilience. And if you hold on to that story, your external stories will mean absolutely nothing. Because we need you. The world needs you at this hour. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, take good care and God bless you.